I don't think I've had as simple a title for a message as I have this morning. It's one word, ask. It's that simple. Where are we this morning? We are in a two-part series so that you understand that. Normally, for those who are maybe visiting or uh, for the first time today or passing through, we go expositionally through the scriptures and we are currently studying in the gospel according to John and we're in the 20th chapter. We're almost done with the book. But for the benefit of all of us, those who were here and those who were not here, this past week we had our annual church meeting. And in the annual church meeting, just so you know why we're here and what's going on here, uh, in our annual church meeting, we set some goals as elders for the church in 2012-2013, which included a couple of things. One, it included improving our teaching ministries, and we want to encourage all of you uh, during the period of time before our morning service, that is before the coffee time, our refreshment time, we are having on Sundays... Sunday Bible classes that are for adults and children, and we're trying to structure that in such a way that we uh, have effective classes that can really meet the needs of the adults as well as the children. And so we're working hard on changing some things there. And we also want to enhance the prayer lives. It's our goal for us individually and collectively as a church to, by God's grace, enhance our prayer life so that we are known not only as a teaching church and as a church of the word, but also as a people and a church of prayer. And that is some of the goals that we have. And as a result, a couple of things will be transpiring that we want to bring to your attention and I think is appropriate for me by way of promotion and encouragement to you before we get into our text. We will be using more and more the internet through CCB, and I don't need to get into what all that stands for, but on our website there is a section, and if you are a regular attendee here, you should be on this site, because we are going to use it by means of getting more prayer requests out to everybody on an ongoing basis so we can effectively be praying for one another, such as we just prayed for Kevin. As soon as we get notice of that, surgery coming up, we sent it out through the website through CCB. And I don't want to get into the whole website is not CCB, that's a section of it. We are looking to promote more prayer time in the small groups which is going on this week so that they will be studying the Word of God together, they will be having more prayer time together, they will be having their private prayer list and also giving additional prayer lists to the congregation that it's acceptable for, by them so we can be praying for one another. And so that is increasing. So, for example, if you're going to one of the small groups in the home or you're going to the one that's here on Wednesday, you will see that we will be studying the book of Galatians and having a time for them to pray together as men and women and as boys and girls to pray together and improve our prayer life in that way. We also want to encourage you, if you have not heard it yet, that we want to see more what we're calling ad hoc prayer groups. Now what in the world is that? We already have some men that meet on a Friday night to pray together. We have some women 
that meet with more for moms. We have another group that meets uh, during the school day to pray for needs for the school and the graduates and the students and the teachers and so forth. And we want to encourage more of that in this assembly so that, for example, if you have some men that want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or that's when they go to work or 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whatever, but they'd like to have two or three people meeting together to pray, we want to encourage that. We want to promote that. All women, all husband and wives, all families. And uh, the only thing we would ask is you kind of let us know so that somebody can lead it, that's all, so there's some organizations for a regular meeting time and a place, and we help in any way that we can. So we really want to work as a church in helping improve our lives individually and collectively. And starting on January 23rd, and I will not go in depth of it today because it would take away from the message, but I do want for those who were not here at the annual church meeting to make you aware of it. Starting in January on the 23rd, uh, while we have the small groups going on, and one Wednesday night will be the small group meeting here, and then one time per month, starting the 23rd, we are going to be looking for all the small groups and for everybody to be coming together as a church to pray. And we're looking for children. We're looking for adults. We're looking for young couples. And we are making some changes so that we can pray for one hour. And that is the point, that we will be praying. And we are working on the structure as elders so that it will be uh, feasible for young children and some and we will be praying together we're looking into that and uh, we're really looking forward uh, to that and in addition to that what we felt was necessary as elders and we prayed about it was I wanted to give a couple of messages this is not intended to be a exhaustive message uh, or exhaustive series on prayer because if that were the case we would go on for a long period of time but again, to refresh our minds and to rehearse our minds on prayer itself. And that's why this morning we're taking a little break from John this Sunday and next Sunday. And I've even, as I prayed about it, I was going to be addressing it anyway. You'll notice that this evening we're studying in the book of Proverbs in the evening. And I'm going to take that which is related to our spiritual life in relationship to prayer that Proverbs talks about. Uh, I've taken the liberty to do that as well and bring that in at this particular uh, time. So uh, we wanted to study a little bit together and uh, do it this morning and next week. So uh, this morning you see the outline. It's very simple on Acts. We see the, the commands and so forth in, in just a moment. And then, Lord willing, next week I will talk a little bit more about the importance of us as a congregation uh, praying and so forth. Why? We should be people of prayer. Of all the people in the world, believers should be people of the word and people of prayer. The Lord Jesus Christ himself, jumping way ahead of myself, was someone that came to fulfill scripture and to do the Father's will, and he was involved in prayer from the time he was here until the time on the cross and then afterwards. He's even interceding for us now. It should be a vital part of our life. Some have said that the two legs of the Christian walk is the word and prayer. And yet, we want to not be naive, even as believers, there's a variety of things that come to our mind. Anytime the topic of prayer comes up, 
We think of such things as speaking to God, getting help, dependence upon God, just some things I jotted down. Sometimes we think in terms of prayer meeting, or we think in terms of our private prayer life. And then there's certainly always the when to pray, how to pray, what to pray, where to pray, and all of those other things that come along. All kinds of things come into our mind when the subject of prayer comes along. It is a subject that is easy to talk about if we're honest. And if we're also honest to ourselves, it is not easy to do and to be consistent with, and even more importantly, to be effective with. It's something that we know as Christians we're supposed to do it. Uh, and probably the exception, my personal opinion, the exception to it being consistent and uh, not being consistent and not always being effective is mealtimes. And uh, at that time, we usually find it easy to pray because it's uh, grace, quote unquote, and it's thanking the Lord for food. Or the second opportunity, I would say, is when there's a major problem. What is that? We are facing potential disaster, whether it be financially, physically, spiritually, and there's a major concern before us. And if I can cut through everything else, usually the bottom line is, get me out of here. That's what it is. When we, we have no problem going to the Lord then, Lord, get me through this surgery. Lord, get me through this job situation. Lord, get me through this and get me out of here. Those we are very consistent with. We have no problem with that. But as far as having an effective prayer life and also being consistent with that, it is usually a challenge. And I'm telling you as a pastor, it's a challenge to me. I think I can say to the, before the Lord, as my witness, there is not a day that goes by that I don't pray, whether I'm here, whether I'm home, whether I'm with my children, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm exercising or officiating a game, as the Lord can be my witness, I do pray in all of those moments. But still, it's a challenge to me. And still, whether or not it's just prayers or effective is another whole story, because sometimes I feel my prayers aren't going anywhere. Or I feel I don't know how to pray. You say, if you don't know how to pray, how are you going to teach us? Only because the word's here, that's all. But we honestly have struggles. It, it takes discipline. It takes practice. It takes humility. And uh, those things, uh, we don't like discipline. We don't like practice. All we like is the game. All we like is the end product. And we certainly are proud people, though we like to think of ourselves as humble. So unless it's a mealtime or a major problem. So how in the world are you going to cover in two messages? I don't know. But I will tell you this. Hopefully, while it won't be exhaustive, it'll be effective, challenging, and really a rehearsal, I hope, of some truths that will help us. And my goal is that it'll just be reminders to help us in our prayer life so as we go forward to this year, we are consciously aware of it with one another, collectively and individually and as families and as people. So we immediately think when a situation comes up, let's pray and let's go to prayer and let's encourage one another and we become a prayerful people. Well, in a simple outline for today, as we need to get to the messages, 
It is commanded. What is commanded? It is commanded to us to pray. And if you look at Matthew chapter 7, my text, in verses 7 through 12, uh, there are three present imperatives that are here. So I'm going to make it very simple to start with this morning. Where are they? They are found in verse 7. If you look, it says, ask, and then it says, seek, and then it says, knock. And those are three present imperatives that are given to us. And so that we can see, in the simplest form, I think, that even, even Jesus, and this is in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. I don't want to lose the context. It is in the Sermon on the Mount in which the Lord is talking about kingdom living and what it looks like as a child of God and what it will be like, etc., etc. And he calls us to pray by commanding us to do it. And I want to tell you, first of all, a couple of things that this is not... I, I don't feel I'll do it justice to contemporary Christianity if I don't at least mention a couple of things. What is this not intending to say? First of all, this is not an exhaustive statement on the subject of prayer. What do you mean? This doesn't deal with the fact, as it does elsewhere, we'll see a little bit of this this morning if time allows, the fact that we ought to pray in God's will. It doesn't even address that. It doesn't talk about, for example, as James does, and we might get there today, I don't know. But as James, it says, you don't have an answer to prayer because you're asking with the wrong motivation. You're asking amiss, you consume it in your own lust, and that's why I'm not answering the prayer. That, this text doesn't deal with that. It's just a command uh, to pray. Secondly, contrary to professing Christianity as well, thinking of the thinking of unsaved, this is not a carte blanche nor a blank check. What is that? This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. It is directed toward believers, for example, specifically disciples. Go back with me to chapter 5, just one minute. Chapter 5, I'll be very quick with this, but verses 1 and 2. The Sermon on the Mount came under this context. When Jesus saw the crowds, watch, he went up to the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. He began to teach them. This Sermon on the Mount is really directed toward believers. That's who it's directed toward. And so this is not a blank check uh, that you can have anything you want when you want it, and it's a shame and pulled out of context, especially if a believer, a professing believer, uses this for the basis of which you can build up their ministries by you sending them money, and the Lord will give you a blank check for anything that you want. That's horrible. It's an abomination. It should not be used that way. Not the intent of the text at all. This is not a, a text that you can go to that say, I need a Rolls Royce this afternoon, and God said to ask, and he'll give it to me. That's absolute foolishness. That's taking it out of the context of what it was intended. Thirdly, it is not intended to be a way that you twist God's arm. What do you mean by that? And I just put it in the vernacular. That is, this is not a text where God said to ask, and if I just keep asking, and I just, you know, I keep, and God's got to give in to me. That's not what this is intended for at all. Not at all. We have a problem, if you want to understand this, we have a problem in taking all of theology and putting it into practice. All of us do. Don't tell me you don't. 
We can read what the Word of God says, but then to put it into practice is another thing. We have no problem gaining knowledge, but we do have a problem of taking that knowledge and putting it into application. We have no problem if somebody teaches us spiritual truths, but we do have a problem, honestly, all of us, in trying to walk by the power of God in seeing those truths work in our lives in everyday circumstances. Why do you say all of that, Pastor Dan? Because that's really the context. What do you mean? How do you do verses 1 through 5 of chapter 7? Look at it. In chapters 1 through 5, everybody says, don't judge that you be not judged. And all the world knows verse 1. Nobody knows the rest of it. And the idea is they throw that verse out and say, don't judge anyone. But what it goes on to say in verses 2 through 5, if you follow it all the way through, it says... The first thing you need to do is judge your own life, take that beam out of your life, and then judge properly, you'll be able to understand the speck. Now that's the theology. How do you do that? You say, well, it's rather easy. No, it's not. Don't tell me it is. You and I as believers have a tendency to look at someone else's life and we see everything wrong with them. We start complaining. We start talking about that when our life is not what it should be. So how do you do that? Ask. That's the context. How are you going to be able to apply the truths that God just taught you so that you judge properly and you examine with self-examination? You can only do it by the power of God and coming to the throne of grace and asking him his help. You say, really? Yes. Verse 6. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Let me be very simple on this and, and don't throw your pearls before swine. That's not talking about going to the Deerfield Fair and taking your your pearls and throwing them in, in that way. That's not what it's talking about at all. Well, then what is it talking about? It's talking about false teachers, if you were to look at the whole Sermon on the Mount in the context. And how do I judge who a false teacher is? How do I know when it's throwing those pearls before swine or when I really should be bringing forth the word of God? Ask God for the wisdom and seek him. It is the same thing in chapter 6. Go back to chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6, I will not read it all because of time, but beginning in verses 19 through 34. Very long text. Now, what is that? Where do I stir up my treasure? Pastor, I mean, uh, Pastor Chris mentioned this morning, you know, win the lottery and whatever. Don't bother to win the lottery. You're not going to use it anyway. You're not taking it with you, all that stuff and so forth. And I know that's not what he meant. But my point is, the scriptures teach your treasure should be in heaven, not here. And then it deals with something real practical, doesn't it? It goes on to say that after dealing with money, you can't serve both. It says, don't worry about anything in your life, verse 25. What? Are you kidding me? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Now, that's practical, spiritual, instruction, theological, right? Right. Who in this room, standing with me, has not worried about whether it's their job, whether it's a physical circumstance, whether it was um, tomorrow's schedule, like I'm praying that right now Kevin gets victory over that because he's got surgery tomorrow? Who's, who's just never worried about those things? Anyone? Probably some are saying, yeah, not me, but you don't want to raise your hand. But 
we're all in that situation. And yet, that's the theology. And what it, it's interesting in that text because what he says is, when you've got a father like our father, what are you worried about? When you have faith in a, a God like that, what are you worried about? When you have a future promise to you that's great, what are you worried about the future for? Don't worry about the economy and all those things. That's what the world's worrying about. That's why he says in that context where everybody does quote it, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you, verse 33. It is in the context, I brought you back to that, that the command comes up. Because in order to be able to exercise those things and to do those things, we can't do it on our own, even if we know the theology, even if we know the spiritual instruction, even if we know what God says. And we need God's help. And that is one reason to draw us to the throne of grace to ask humbly and to come before our Heavenly Father so that we're walking the way we should. And he encourages us to pray. He wants us to seek God's wisdom. That's the, what I'm getting at, to seek God's wisdom. How do we do that? In prayer. Listen, God has not only chosen, we, we perp I purposely chose the text that you read uh, already, and we hopefully will get there, but you notice that it says God already knows what we need before we ask him. Well, then why ask him, right? Because God chose the means by which he's going to work as well. What is it? Prayer. You say, God's going to save those who he's going to save, so I don't need to witness. That's foolishness. Because God is going to save who he's going to save, but he's chosen by the foolishness of preaching that that is the means by which he's going to save them. Preach, talk to your neighbor about the gospel. It's the same thing with prayer. Of course God knows our needs. Think of it this way. Let me get, Allow me a, an application, an illustration at a simple point right now. Do you think you know the needs of your children? Most of the time, yeah, of course you do. And you don't ever want them to come and ask you for anything, right? Right. You think something's wrong, and you've got a bad relationship if that's the case. I really appreciate it when I know what they need, and rather than just give it, that's our society today. Today is give them, give them, give them, give them, give them, make it better, 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 better. They don't think, they get everything handed down, and they expect everything. But when you know that there's a need there, and you know that the best lesson in the world is for them to come and say, Mom, Dad, you know, can, can we consider, can I get this? Can I go here? Can I do this? Can I? Why? It's a mechanism that draws your relationship close. And God uses prayer in such a way, not because he doesn't know. It's because he wants that relationship between us and him to grow so close. Like a, That's why, as believers, we can say, Papa, Papa. Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, if you will. He wants us to come to him and show that we are humbly dependent upon him. It's the mechanism that he's chosen to use to help build that relationship, as well as the means of which he's going to see in our life how prayers get answered and how he does things. So it's the means by which God has chosen to work. So, number one, it is commanded. Now, I'm going to do something, to my knowledge, I've never done in this church in a public setting, but we're going to do it. We're going to memorize scripture. What? I'm leaving. No, you're not. I had the doors locked. That's not true. That's not true. 
Not true. It's on tape. I got to be careful. You better strike that one. <laughs> All right? But I want, you to, I want us to memorize verse 7. You say, Pastor Dan, it's a chance. No, it's very easy. Watch. I'll show you how easy it is. We're going to do this together. All right? And it's practical because the very first word gives you the whole verse. Watch. The word is ask. And watch what it says. Ask, and it shall be given you. S, seek, you will find. K, knock, and it will be open to you. You got the verse already, see? So that's what we're going to do. And I know that some of you are used to memorizing different versions, so you're already in trouble, okay? But seriously, I want us to do this because God calls to us and he says, come on, I'm commanding you, come on, ask. Now, before we do that, the idea of asking is the humble coming before and showing dependence. I'm trying to make it simple. To seek, when you seek something, you're pursuing it. It is something in our lives that we should be constantly doing. And to knock deals, I think, really with the concept of perseverance that's really there. When you're knocking, you're knocking, you're knocking. Somebody is there, and you just want to be a little more persistent. And that's all that's in this verse. Ask, seek, knock of God. So let's do it. Watch. I'll do it first. It's ask, the A. Ask, and it will be given to you. S, seek, and you will find. K, knock, and it will be opened to you. So to ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened to you. Here's what we're going to do. All together, we're going... Now, if you've got a different version, you're going to have to try to bear with me, but we're going to try it. We're going to read it first. Let's do it together. Ask, come on, and it will be given to you. Stop. Do it again. Ask, and it will be given to you. S, seek, and you will find. Do it again. Seek, and you will find. Let's go back to the A. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, okay? K, knock. Knock, and it will be open to you. Do it again. Knock, and it will be open to you. Let's put it together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Don't look now. A, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, S and you will find, K, knock, and it will be open to you. Who said you can't memorize? Who said you can't memorize? Take it with you. It's practical. Ask. God wants us to ask, and we need to be doing that as a people. We need to be praying. We need to be coming before the throne. We need to seek. And I know for some of you that might have been a little uncomfortable, a little unusual, but I'm going to tell you something. You won't forget that word when you go out of here. Ask. Ask, seek, and knock. It is practical. You say, what are we going to pray for? Let me be real practical with us as a people. You say, Pastor Dan, you know, Fellowship Bible Church, we need to see more people saved. We need to see more people coming out. I agree. What are you going to do? Pray. Ask. There you go. God, give us some more people. Lord, let's see souls getting saved. How often are you praying about that or am I praying about that? You say, we need more baptisms. I agree. What are we going to do? Pray. Give me the word. Ask. 
Let's start praying about these things. Let's see God working. You say, I need more opportunities to witness at work. I agree. What are you going to do? Ask. Pray. We should be praying. We want to be praying. I just need a better understanding of how God's working in my life, what he's trying to do in my family. I want to have a better relationship as a, as a husband. I want to have a better relationship as a dad with my kids. I want to have a better relationship as a mother. I, I really want to have a better relationship as, as a wife. I really want to have a better relationship at work as an employee. I really want to be a good employee. I want, to, I want to be a better employer. I really want to treat my people well. What am I going to do as a Christian? Ask. What are we going to do? Ask. God wants us to pray. The problem is, you see, we know the theology. But God wants us to come to him. He wants us to pray. We need wisdom. Lord, how, with the, some of the changes that we're doing at fellowship and, and some of the things, is this the way it should go? What should we be doing as a congregation? Praying together. Praying individually. You say, my spouse, I just wish he was saved. I just wish he was saved. All you say as a young person, I just wish I knew who the Lord wanted for me. Pray. Ask. God wants us. He's commanding. Ask. Seek. Knock, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find it. Knock, God will open the doors. It'll be open to you. But the problem is, and the scriptures bear this out, he says you don't have because you don't, what's the word? Ask. And as God's people, he wants us to be praying. He wants us to be asking. And I'm telling you, I fail. And I know you do too. God wants us to do that, and he commands us. So let's be asking. Let's be praying about some of these areas. It's commanded. The point is, we should always be praying, and with everything. And let me turn you to that. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 for a second. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You say, but God's going to get sick of hearing me. Never. Have you ever got sick of your... Well, let me rephrase this. <laughs> I gotta be careful. <laughs> Have you ever got sick of your children coming and asking you for the, and depending upon you? I would say probably not. Have you ever got sick and tired sometimes of some of the things? That, yeah, we have. Okay, but God loves us, and He's not. He wants us to come. He wants us to come to Him. Look at First Thessalonians chapter five, two verses. Look at verse seventeen. You talk about simple today. Ask. Look at this. Three words. What are they? Pray without ceasing. Guess what it means? Pray without ceasing. What does the Greek mean? Pray without ceasing. What does it mean? Be in constant spirit of prayer. You know, Paul understood it. Four words. Look at verse 25. Brethren, help me. Pray for us. Pray for us. All right? But pray for us also, some of the texts have, okay? What is the point? He wasn't ashamed. Paul wasn't ashamed. We're ashamed sometimes to talk to others and say, you know what, I need to, can you pray for me? Why? I'm struck. We don't want to let, we think, you're sitting on this side of the room, that side of the room's got a great spiritual walk, and they don't know, you know, they, I don't want them to know us. This side's thinking, that side of the room's got a great spiritual walk. I don't want them to know all these things about me because I have needs. You know what? Phony. 
Both sides of the rooms are struggling. You both need God working in your life, and you both need one another to be praying, and we need that interaction. We fail, but God's faithful, and he wants us to come to the throne, and he wants us to pray. So we should be praying about everything. We should be praying always, showing our dependence. It should be a priority. And that's the, the last point that I have in your outline. And just to be simple again this morning, I told you we'll be simple, but hopefully effective in trying to drive it home. It should be a priority in our life. Prayer goes hand in hand with worship. That's my first point under that. When we think of prayer, what is it? It's worship. It's how, it's one of the ways we worship God by prayer, by coming to him. In fact, I'll give you the reference, I won't turn there. In Matthew 21, 13, remember what he said about his house? They were selling things, and he remember he turned over the tables and so forth, and he said, you have made my house of what? Prayer, a den of thieves. You see, what was the tabernacle? What was the uh, wilderness? Um, tabernacle, the temple, even the synagogue. What went on there? Well, in some cases, they discussed the Torah that went on, and there were animal sacrifices that went on there. What was that? All part of worship? But what else took place? Prayer. Prayer. You see, we should be known, even this congregation should be known, that is where I would hope you know, this is not a competition thing, but I would hope that if anybody came into this area and said, where can I go to find a church that teaches the word of God? I hope that people around us say, I would never go to that church, but you know what? If you want to go and learn the word of God, go to fellowship. But you know what? They should also say, if you want to see some people to pray, go to fellowship. That's where we should be. You want to see people to pray, watch the people there. You know, you can't start talking about something and say, how about we pray about that? What's the matter with those people? Nothing. They love the Lord. We should be known as that. You know, I had jotted down some notes to myself. Um, places, and I want to be careful, because the church is people, and you know that I know that. But still, there should be this environment. I tell you what, if you were to go to a if I just said the word a concert to you, without even defining it, what would come to your mind? I know what would come to my mind. Probably music and noise. That's me, personally. If I said to you, and I took a contrast, library, what usually comes to your mind? And that should come an atmosphere of quietness, an atmosphere of research, an atmosphere of study, an atmosphere maybe of meditation and work, that type of thing. If I said athletic stadium, competition, cheering, yelling, all kinds of things, right? If I said to you wedding, what should come to your mind? Probably some type of formal ceremony, no matter how simple, right? What comes to our mind when we think about your life or Fellowship Bible Church, you see? What should come is prayer and the word. And that's what we want to see. That's what we need. That's what we all need. We find that we've already learned in John, his gospel account, that 
Prayer is a means by which we glorify God. Let's look at just a couple of things we learned in John. Go with me to John 14. John 14, I'll be quick. Verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, we studied that. Again, you saw it wasn't carte blanche. It wasn't a blank check. That will I do. Why? Here's the idea. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The, the Son always did the will of the Father. And he says, you ask, and I will work that through. Why? It's the idea our prayer life should bring glory to God. It is part of our worship. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, we saw a very similar. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go forth and bear fruit. And notice this. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And remember when we studied that? Part of our prayer life is that we would bear fruit. We're to be fruit bearers for the Lord. And then again, we saw in chapter 16 of John, in verses 23 and 24, that he repeats it again um, when he says that we are to ask the Father anything in his name. He'll give it. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask. There it is again. There's that word, ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. And you will receive. Why? Watch this. Pastor Chris talked about the difference between joy and happiness. I don't think he knew that I had this verse in my notes. So that your joy may be what? Full. Overflowing. Full. God doesn't want us to be long-faced. He wants us to be joyous in him when we see him working through our life, when we see him working in our circumstances. No wonder, even in trials and tribulations, which are circumstances, we can count it all joy. Why? Because God's still working. And we have that relationship through prayer. It was in Luke chapter 11 that the Lord's disciples said, teach us to pray. And if his disciples said that, we can ask the Lord for that. Help us to pray. Teach us to pray. The model for prayer, I do want to go to that just for a minute to pass a couple of comments. Some of you heard me teach on this, but it's just refreshing to us again and, and reiterates and calls to our memory. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. In Matthew chapter 6, actually it goes back to verse 5. Verses 5 through 13. Remember, it's still in the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read a couple of things because early on, he says in verse 5, when you pray. See, that's assumed. You're going to pray. When you pray. You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in prayer in synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen of men. That should not be why we're praying. It shouldn't be so that others see us so that we look spiritual. Prayer is not for show. Neither is it to be repetitious. Verse 6. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, pray to your Father who's in secret. This is not eliminating public prayer, by the way. It's just a contrast here. And your Father who sees you in secret, he'll reward you. And when you are praying, do not use 
meaningless repetition. Now, when I was a child, we prayed at meals, and when we said grace, it was basically the same thing. Give, thank you for this food, you know, and so forth, and that was it. And uh, it was the same prayer all the time, same words, just repeated. I still pray at meals. It shouldn't be the same words all the time, but it should be going before the Lord. When he talks about meaningless repetition, in my background, when I was growing up, we had rosary beads, and you would pray those beads. That is vain repetition, meaningless repetition. It just goes on and on and on and on. That's not the way we're to pray. God's looking for the heart. Isn't it great, by the way? You don't need Pastor Dan. You don't need a priest. You don't need a rabbi. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus Christ. And because of him, that's why we pray in his name, by the way. And we have Christians that even fight about that. They won't use his name because they figure that's vain repetition. Or they go the other way and they always use the name because they feel if they don't use the name, something's wrong. You're missing the whole point. He is the intermediator. And the reason we're able to go before the throne of grace is because of the work of Jesus Christ. Whether you add the name or you don't add the name isn't the issue at all. But he doesn't want us to be just with empty words. That's not the idea. And if you don't understand that, then you'll never understand what's known as the Our Father. Because people, you know, he just doesn't want us to be repetitious. There's nothing wrong with reciting it. Listen to me as a congregation. There's nothing wrong with reciting the prayer at all. That's not the primary purpose. If that's all you do with it, then it becomes vain repetition. But you can pray it. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if we really want to look at the content, it helps us with our relationship with God, first of all. Watch. This is, I'm running out of time. This is a model. It's not necessarily to be prayed word for word. It's a model of prayer. Why? Watch what it does. You'll notice, first of all, let me just get to this. There are no eyes. Most of our prayers are, I need this, I need that, give me this, give me that, whatever. This is worship. Why? Look at the beginning. Pray then in this way. Our Father. Verses 9 and 10 are totally God-centered. Our Father. Who is he? Hallowed be thy name. He's holy. He's a holy person. He's someone that we're dependent upon. He's someone who is in heaven. He's someone who's waiting there. Then he talks about the kingdom to come. His kingdom will come on earth. Notice this, your will be done. Is that the way we seek prayer? On earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus Christ prayed. Just think of Gethsemane. He was in a difficult situation. Oh, that this could be removed from me. However, not my will, thy will be done. Same prayer. Same type of pray. We should be looking to pray to God directly. You say, but I don't know how to pray. You say, I'm not even a believer. That's who you should be praying to. I'll give you a prayer to pray. God, open my understanding to salvation. You say, well, I'm not so sure about salvation. Pray this prayer. God, would you reveal yourself to me? Show me yourself as I hear scripture. As I look in creation, would you show me your hand so I begin to understand and grow in the knowledge of you? God will answer that prayer for you. He will. He's holy. 
We're to be praying on his will. And it is practical. That's verses 11 to 13. He prays for physical needs. He prays for spiritual needs. Look, he said, first of all, forgive us our debts. Notice this, as we also forgive our debtors. There's a problem for us. I could go into a message on that. But I don't want to lose the concept of prayer here. We need forgiveness of our sins because even as believers daily. And he said, give us our daily bread, our provision. We should be satisfied with what God has given. Doesn't mean you don't work diligently. Doesn't mean you don't have a savings account. Doesn't mean you don't have those things at all. God provides us the ability to get wealth. That's a good thing. But if you're depending even on your finances, and that's where it gets into as it goes on into the passage that I quoted from in verse 19 forward, not to store up those treasures on earth. We can't serve God and we can't serve money. Money shouldn't be the thing that we're centered on. God can provide. It's showing our dependence on him. Do not lead us into temptation. I don't have the time to turn there, but in, in James it tells us God doesn't tempt us to fall uh, to sin, to fall into sin. What's the idea? We have a battle every day, and we need to ask God. We need to pray for him for help because... We need deliverance. We need deliverance from the challenges that are before us. And you see in this prayer, this model of prayer, again, it's a call to pray. It's a call to worship God. It's a call to go before God. Why? As children of God, we are dependent upon him. In summary for this morning, prayer should be a vital part of our life. Why? Number one, because God commands it. Number two, because it glorifies God, and it's what he's called us to do. It's the mechanism, the way which God has chosen to even bring answers to prayer in our life. So what are we to do? We're to ask. We should be a praying people. Ask. Ask, and it'll be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it will be open to you. Let's do it together one more time before we close. Ask, ask. A, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open to you. My God help us to be just starting now a people that go before him and ask. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the example we haven't even looked at it in any detail at all of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, very God, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God and yet made himself of no reputation and took on the form of a man, went to the cross of Calvary in obedience to your will, paid the penalty and price for sin, rose from the dead victorious on the third day, all according to the scriptures, all as a reflection of your love for us. And we thank you for so great salvation that you provided. We pray for anyone that has not yet experienced that through faith and ask that you'd open up their heart and understanding to who you are and that they would come to trust in Christ. Help them even as an unbeliever to pray to you, to see that they need to come to you and I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in your plan of salvation. For believers, we thank you for that salvation. We thank you for all you do provide. And we thank you for the privilege of commanding us and then inviting us to come boldly to the throne of grace because we have a priest who's a high priest that cannot be touched 
uh, has understanding of our infirmities and in all ways was tempted as like we are, yet without sin. And we thank you that we can come. Help us to do that. Help us to ask. Help us to be a praying people. Might we see that in our life improving so that we as individuals are people that not only love you but to pray to you, come before you and worship you through prayer and even ask for the very needs that we have. And that, Father, as a people, as a congregation collectively, that this body would be known not just as people who study the word of God but who practically apply it as we use the means of prayer on an ongoing basis to come before your throne that you might work through that in the needs of our lives individually, but also in this congregation. And we do pray that you'd raise up men and women who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to come in here and get saved. That we'd see others coming to Christ and growing in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord. That we'd see from this church people going forth and serving as missionaries. People from this church serving in the community as a testimony for Christ in their jobs. That our students would be a testimony to all those around them. That you'd give us boldness. Father, we ask of this. And we ask that as we see this improving, that you would get all the honor and glory. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.